Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to welcome you. Past few shows, I have been leading the way with historic analogies. In the case of Donald Trump, Abraham Lincoln. We've done analogies of Abraham Lincoln, how he was condemned in 1864. He was called names. They thought he was a loser within his own party. They thought he would lose re-election to the Battle of Atlanta. It certainly looked that way, but he didn't. He won. And other horrible things that were said about Lincoln over time. But I thought I would go back, and we'll get into these other things, but I thought I would go back and talk to you about the first election of Abraham Lincoln um, in 1860. And there's a great website called knowledgenuts.com. I tell you, I do all kinds of deep research here. Abraham Lincoln was actually hated when president. When Lincoln took office in March 1861, he was entering a presidency he had won with only 39.8% of the popular vote. Reactions from the public were so negative that on the eve of his inauguration, he had to be smuggled into the Capitol during the dead of night in a disguise. He was looked down upon for everything from his humble beginnings and lack of education to his awkward appearance and his high voice. Even the commanding general of his armies, George McClellan, called him the original guerrilla. In 1861, Lincoln inherited a nation in crisis. With the United States on the brink of civil war, the American public was on the edge and blamed Lincoln for everything going wrong in the country. Sound familiar? 
Well, of course, Southerners hated him for trying to change the way of life they'd known for years. They resented him for trying to abolish slavery and declared their secession from the Union on February 4, 1861. But Northerners weren't fond of him either, unimpressed with his slow start at the presidency. They expected him to be doing more and to be doing it sooner. People even hated his speeches. The Gettysburg Address, now revered as one of the greatest speeches of all time and memorized by schoolchildren across the nation, was panned by many. One Chicago Times writer said, The cheek of every American must tinge with the shame as he reads the silly, flat, dishwatery utterances of a man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the President of the United States. Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, said the constant deluge of insults were on the President's feelings. Lincoln himself reportedly said, I'd rather be dead than as President, thus abused in the house of my friends. But he refused to take his criticisms too much to heart. Lincoln went on to win the re-election in 1864. He led the North to victory when General Robert E. Lee surrendered and ended the Civil War on April 9, 1865. And of course, he was tragically assassinated by John Wilkes Booth six days later. Lincoln also had his supporters, of course, during his presidency. And his death was mourned by millions. But it wasn't until his assassination that he had a true surge of popularity, sending him to the beloved status he has today. It was only then, as Edwin Stanton would say, he was relinquished to the ages. Because we sit back and we think, wow, Lincoln. Who would have criticized Lincoln? Lincoln was abused and mocked from the moment he stepped into the presidency and right up to the point of the Battle of Atlanta. And then he won his re-election and even then he was mocked. There are great presidents who've always been mocked. I want to present you another one. We've put together a montage, thanks to our friends at Newsbusters and MRC some time back, but I went back and looked, of how the liberal media savaged Ronald Reagan over the years in his presidency, but particularly in 2004, um, not 2004, Well, they say in 2004 here, I don't think it was 2004, but it was put together, and I want you to listen to this. Cut 19, go. At the end of his presidency, great many people believed he'd made the wealthy wealthier and had not improved life particularly for the middle class. I used to say, I thought if you were down on your luck and you got through the Secret Service, got in the Oval Office, and Mr. President, I'm down on my luck, he would literally give you the shirt off his back. And then he'd sit down in his undershirt and he'd sign legislation throwing your kids off school lunch program, maybe your parents off Social Security, and of course the welfare queen off of welfare. The most serious crisis of Ronald Reagan's two terms and the lowest point in his popularity came after the revelation that his administration had secretly sold arms to Iran and turned over the profits to rebels fighting the Marxist government of Nicaragua. The fallout was severe, softened only by the president's willingness to accept personal responsibility. But U.S. efforts to deal with the tough issues in the Middle East went on hold, helping to set the stage for the first Iraq war and the rise of Islamic fundamentalism. 
Reagan presidency also saw the advent of the Shout and Hope news conference. Reporters often drowned out by the din of a helicopter trying to get the president to answer questions on the fly since he didn't hold many news conferences. There was the Iran-Contra affair, the near tripling of the national debt, the fact that 30, count of 30 of his administration staffers would serve time in jail for bribery, corruption, and influence peddling. Can you tell, uh, Thelma, and I, clearly this is un unscientific, uh, but if the crowds really look like America, are they ethnically diverse, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, or is it largely white? There were some fairly contentious issues, and he was a fairly controversial president. Uh, we've more or less overlooked much of that over the past week. But I suspect as his friends and supporters uh, try to raise him to the very heights there and perhaps find a place for him on Mount Rushmore, that some of that controversy and some of the debate will come back. No doubt about it. Well, actually, it was. The uh, president died, President Reagan, June 5, 2004, and shortly thereafter, this is the kind of uh, reviews in many media newsrooms that he received. Lincoln was brutalized. Reagan was brutalized. Nobody's been brutalized more than Donald Trump. But I only bring this to your attention because the left in the media, the Democrat Party, the never-Trumpers, they want you to believe they thought Lincoln was great looking back, and they thought Reagan was great. But Trump, you see, is different. The way he tweets, the way he talks. We've never had a president like this before, really. They called Lincoln a gorilla, and they called Reagan all kinds of names and so forth. They want you to believe their treatment of Trump is different because Trump is different. No, their treatment of Trump is vile, it's poisonous, it's been abusive, way over the top, because he dared to win the presidency. And he has dared to be a great president, in my view. That is why they're brutalizing him. That is why they're protecting Joe Biden from his racist past, from his corruption, and his mental uh, difficulties. That is why they're doing all these things. It's not so much that Trump tweets. Again, there was no tweeting when Reagan was president. Certainly no tweeting when Abraham Lincoln was president. They hate successful Republican presidents. They hate them. They brutalize them. They attack them. And in the case of Donald Trump, they've doubled and tripled down. So it's important that you understand this. So when you have a neighbor or a friend who says to you, you know, it's, I, I just can't put, you know, take the way Trump does what he does. They're suckers. They're suckers. They're falling for what the left does every single time. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, 
dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. I want to talk briefly to you about your constitution and your judiciary and the Supreme Court Article 3 of the Constitution. Wasn't that long ago when all political parties and people of all philosophies agreed that the Supreme Court needed to be independent? That was certainly the view of the framers of the Constitution. Our justices aren't elected. They decided they should serve for life, so they would be not so much disconnected from politics, but they wouldn't be in the fray. This has all changed now. Long before, long before the president nominated Amy Coney Barrett for the Supreme Court, long before she was confirmed by the Senate, sworn in by the President, and then officially sworn in by the Chief, the Supreme Court uh, Chief. The Democrats were talking about packing the court. You may recall that the Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer threatened several justices if they didn't rule the right way from his perspective on DACA. The senator from Rhode Island, White House, also threatened the court if they didn't rule the right way with potential packing. The mob in the streets, the arsonists in the streets, the looters in the streets are in the Senate and in the House. Just that they're dressed up and they don't throw Molotov cocktails. They're actually far more dangerous than the rioters and the looters and the arsonists in the street. Because they are telling us, if they're in the majority, a simple majority, even in just one Congress, they intend to change forever our constitutional construct and make it impossible for future Congresses to change it back. Because they intend to pack the Senate and change the filibuster rule, and then pack the Supreme Court. They will control the legislative process. They will control all legislation. They will control the court. They will control everything. There will be no way back. I mean, short of overthrowing the government, and I'm not certainly recommending that, but that's certainly what the left recommends. But this is the enemy within. These are saboteurs. The Democrats are saying this to get their base all worked up, but the issue beyond that is their base is what's represented. That is, Schumer is the base. As despicable and as liberal as Schumer is, he's moved hard left. He's AOC in a suit. The entire party has moved hard left. 
The Marxist wing of the Democrat Party has won out. It used to be that the media was a collective voice in defense of the constitutional system. That the media was a collective voice in defense of the courts, especially the Supreme Court. Not anymore. Because the media have thrown in with the mob. The media lead the mob. The media celebrate the mob. The media are the mob. And they agree with the ends. And so the means are of no consequence. They agree with the ends. They agree with the the progressives, the Marxists of, of America, that the Constitution is too confining, that the Constitution does not allow for the kind of centralized government control and management that the left is promoting. The media keep lying to the American people. They keep saying, well, now it's six to three conservatives on the court. John Roberts is a wild card. In some matters, so is Gorsuch and so is Kavanaugh. There's really only two justices who are consistently compliant with and faithful to the Constitution, and that would be Thomas and Alito. And now, perhaps a third in Barrett. Even the nomenclature, conservative justices, they use a political term or a cultural term to, de- to define what the constitutionalists are. They're not conservatives. You don't interpret the Constitution conservatively or liberally. We either interpret it as it's intended or as best as you can discern, or you don't. You don't apply political terms to the constitutionalists. It's not a single constitutionalist judge who would ever say, I'm a conservative judge. It means nothing to say that. What does that mean? I'm an originalist and a constitutionalist. I'm an originalist in that I attempt to interpret the text based on the public meaning that the framers had at the time. And I'm a constitutionalist in that I don't seek to treat the Constitution as a living and breathing document. I seek to treat the Constitution as the highest law, governing law, in the land. I want to continue with this, because if anybody's on the fence and they're still thinking about voting for Biden and the Democrats, they need to understand that they are voting for the permanent dissolution of our constitutional system. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. 
and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Some people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. The Democrats, and that would include Biden, are not only interested in structurally destroying our constitutional system by burning down effectively the Supreme Court, burning down the Senate, change the legislative process, So the Democrat Party will actually own and now control our judiciary, the Senate, and the legislative process. One party rule. I want to remind you that they've attacked the Bill of Rights on repeated occasions. Including the First Amendment. When 54 of them voted to repeal the First Amendment. Effectively repeal the First Amendment. Because they didn't believe that you should have the right to support commercials called advocacy commercials that advocate a particular viewpoint. So they literally wanted to pass a constitutional amendment to limit your free speech rights. Also in the First Amendment, they do not respect religious freedom. And they believe they can make laws that impede religious freedom. So religious organizations did not want to participate in Obamacare because morally they didn't want to pay for abortions. The Democrats, the Obama-Biden administration, fought to compel them to do just that. Freedom of assembly and association, you've seen how the Democrats view that. Cuomo with the Jews in Brooklyn. But they're not the only ones, and he's not the only one. Michigan... New Jersey, Illinois, California, freedom of assembly. It's right there in the First Amendment. And the Democrats attack it. The Bill of Rights. The Second Amendment. Endless, endless efforts to eliminate the right of the individual to keep and bear arms. Endless efforts. The war on the First Amendment, the war on the Second Amendment, and also a war on due process. Crucial. Due process. Do you remember when the Democrats argued that if you're put on the no-fly list just under a suspicion, no evidence whatsoever, you're put on that list under a suspicion, then you should be denied the right to purchase a firearm. Burning up the Fifth Amendment. No one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. And remember what I said about targeting free speech. They disdain the Bill of Rights. Ninth Amendment to them doesn't exist. Tenth Amendment to them only exists if they can use it to nullify federal law that they that they reject. Otherwise, they don't even believe in federalism. So the Democrats have been at war with the Bill of Rights. Now they want to change Article 3. Now they want to change Article 2. 
Now they want to change the legislative process. And the irony in all this is they don't even believe in the Constitution. They don't even believe in the Constitution. How often have their surrogates in Black Lives Matter and other organizations said that the framers were slaveholders, therefore what they created is of no merit. So they used the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. They used the Bill of Rights to destroy the Bill of Rights. The very people who are rioting in the streets, claiming that they have a First Amendment right to be protected, don't even believe in the Constitution in the first place. And why should you be surprised? The entire progressive movement is a result of Marxism. The entire progressive movement. I date it back as far as I can date it back as in the late 1860s. But it got ahead of steam in the late 1800s and the early 1900s and it hasn't stopped since. Every so-called leading intellectual of the progressive movement from the late 1800s to this day writes and argues that the Declaration of Independence and all this talk about natural law and individual unalienable rights and the Constitution of the United States, this governing law that they gave us, that they, they insist has to be uh, imposed on us for the rest of time, must be eviscerated or must be overcome if we are to advance a modern progressive society. That is, some form of Marxism. They call it democratic socialism. They must destroy the barriers that are in front of them. Because they don't believe in the limits of government. They believe that their ideology should rule. They have used the Democrat Party as as the vessel through which politically they intend to operate. You know, Pivens and Cloward, Cloward's now dead, but his wife Pivens is still with us. They argued that the Democrat Party needs to be basically taken over. That needs to be the funnel through which radicalism, Marxism, can operate. And that's what they're doing. So that's what this election's about. You know, the Democrats like to say everything's on the table. Under our constitutional system, everything's not supposed to be on the table. It's just one election. One election. The results of that election are not supposed to be a determinant in what kind of nation we're going to live in. There may be debates over policy and so forth, but not whether or not the entire constitutional republic is up for election, but it is. It is. The power-hungry Democrats who've been radicalized have no intention of slowing down. They have no intention of negotiating. They look for excuses like the confirmation of a new justice as a basis to seize power or its race or its climate change or whatever it is. The wealth gap. Whatever it is, they use excuses or fig leaves in order to advance their cause and to grab power. The Democrat Party, the Democrat Party today, 
is saying, if we're in the majority, we're going to take control as a party of the United States Supreme Court. We're going to take control as a party of the United States Senate. We're going to take control as a party of the electoral process and eliminate the Electoral College and give power to our constituent groups, to give power to our voters, and disenfranchise those who are unlikely to support us. So the voting system will be owned by the Democrat Party. The judiciary will be owned by the Democrat Party. The Senate will be owned by the Democrat Party. The legislative process will be owned by the Democrat Party, as I've told you for years, because for them, the Democrat Party comes first, much like in China, where the Communist Party comes first. Much like in Iran, where the Islamo-Nazi Party comes first. The party is the society. The party is the government. And you're seeing the quote-unquote fundamental transformation from a constitutional republic to a Democrat Party tyranny. That's what you're witnessing. That's what's in front of you. And that's what's at stake. And they will limit your free, re- your free speech rights to protest. They will limit your right to gather and assemble. They will limit your religious liberty because they want to impose their ideology. They want to limit your right to a Second Amendment in order to quell any, any protest. They will limit your due process rights under the Fifth Amendment. This is what they are prepared to do. And the media, their day will come. As long as they toe the line, as long as these new newsrooms owned by these massive international corporations continue to acquiesce, or even better, continue to propagandize on behalf, on behalf of this party, the Democrat Party, they will be left alone. But when they fail, they will be treated like Fox News. They will be treated like conservative talk radio. They will be treated like conservative media outlets. They'll be threatened from time to time. That's what's at stake. Whether we have a republic that we leave to our children and our grandchildren, or whether the Democrat Party now owns the federal government and everything that flows from that. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. 
and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Now, I know it's only Tuesday, but I want to tell you about a special broadcasting matter. Life, Liberty, and Levin will not air this coming Sunday. Fox's programming will consist of the usual Monday schedule of programs on Sunday. However, my new Life, Liberty, and Levin will air on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Can we post that, Mr. Producer? And my guest will be me. This is the last life, liberty, and Levin before this incredibly crucial election. So I have decided that I will do it myself. I've done it once or twice in the past. I've had wonderful guests, but there's really, to me, no guest who can say what I need to say days before this this historic election. So you will see a unique life, liberty, and Levin. I will be sitting in the studio behind my copy of the Resolute Desk. And for the entire hour, I will be speaking to you directly, Levinites, patriots. Because we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And I will be talking about patriotism. I will be talking about American history. I will be talking about Abraham Lincoln. I'll be talking about Ronald Reagan. But most of all, I'll be talking about President Donald Trump. And why it is so crucial that we carry him on our shoulders to victory. Not only to defeat the tyrannical Democrats, but to re-elect a president who deserves our support for so many of the things he's done. Donald Trump is a fighter. That's another major part of his character that the left and the media and the Democrats absolutely hate. He is a fighter. He won't bow down to them. He won't take a knee to them. He won't do it. He won't be crushed by the left-wing media. He won't be crushed by the academics. He won't be crushed by Hollywood. He won't be crushed by more billionaires who are lined up to try and take him out. He will not accept appeasement or surrender. And they've done everything they can to force him to bow down and knee and take a knee, and he won't do it. He won't do it. Against all odds. He has faced our criminal justice system, or I should say criminal unjustice system, or injustice system. He has faced the fangs of Eva Pelosi in impeachment. He has faced the illegal espionage of the FBI and our intelligence agencies. He has faced endless character assassination in the form of phony news stories. And he has not bowed to them and he has not taken a knee. Instead, he's running for re-election. The least we can do 
isn't sure that he's reelected. The least we can do is show up and vote. The least we can do is encourage and make sure five to ten of our family members or friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, get out and vote. If he can put everything on the line, if the men and the women in the military can put everything on the line, if the men and women in blue can put everything on the line, then by God, we can vote in numbers like they've never seen before. We need to show up and mass an army of patriots, an army of American-loving citizens. We need to show them that we will not leave our president on the battlefield alone, that we will step up and do what our ancestors have done and vote. And if you can vote early and in person, do it. But whatever you do, vote and bring people with you. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I have in front of me evidence that the Democrats want to destroy the Electoral College. They've introduced amendments to do this in the past. That the Democrats want to repeal the heart and soul of the First Amendment. 54 Democrats voted for a proposed amendment that said Congress and the states may regulate and set reasonable limits on the raising and spending of money by candidates and others to influence elections. To influence elections. The irony, of course, is they're spending a fortune. I have in front of me a, a story, of course, where Kamala Harris, when she was running for president, said she would use executive orders to effectively eviscerate the Second Amendment. Then, of course, the Democrats demanded that all religious institutions and people of faith we're going to be forced to cover Obamacare costs for abortion, even if they morally objected. Another attack on the Second Amendment, on the First Amendment. The Democrat Party is not the party of civil liberties. It's not the party of individual liberties. It's not the party of the Constitution. It is a rogue, tyrannical party, dressed up as a people's party. And it tries to cobble together various constituent groups with threats, with fear-mongering, with dollars, because it wants to take over the government. It wants to take over the Supreme Court. It wants to take over the Senate. 
It wants to take over the voting system. It wants to take over the legislative process. It wants to turn the United States into what California has become. And people cannot escape California fast enough. That's what's on the ballot. And as I said earlier, what's frightening to me is that the Constitution should never be on the ballot. Our liberties should never be on the ballot. Our economic system should never be on the ballot. This isn't a debate about policy, ladies and gentlemen. It's not even a debate about the tax code or regulation here and there. This is a debate that shouldn't even be taking place. But the Democrat Party is forcing it. Over the years, I've told you that the Democrat Party is a party that has resisted and outright fought Americanism. The party of slavery, the Democrat Party. The party of segregation, the Democrat Party. And now the party of so-called democratic socialism. Never the party of the Constitution. Never the party of the Declaration. Except at the earliest point of its founding. But certainly not since. And it's amazing, they're pulling down statues of, uh, statues of Confederate soldiers, changing the names of schools, to wipe our history books, our, our history clean. And yet what remains, and is more powerful than ever before, is the party that's responsible for all of it. The Democrat Party, the party of the Confederacy. And it's shocking that African Americans whose ancestors can count back to slavery overwhelmingly support this party. Why? Is the party a liberating party? Is the party a compassionate party? No. It's a party of big government, centralized government, and it uses various constituency groups, whether it's African Americans or black Americans generally, or Hispanic Americans and Asian Americans and Jewish Americans. It breaks us up into neat little groups and then stitches us all back together in order to acquire power. Some days it has us at each other's throats, and then it talks about unity. What's this blue state, red state stuff? And so this is, this is what we're up against. This is a party of tyranny. That's the history of the Democrat Party. There's some exceptions. Of course there's some exceptions. It's not a party of perfect tyranny. It's a party of tyranny, in my opinion. The Republicans, the President, they're not challenging the First Amendment, religious liberty, the right to assembly, the right to free speech, the right to a free press. This president has actually kept his hands off the press. Barack Obama did not. He sicked the FBI on James Rise of the New York Times. He sicked the FBI on James Rosen of Fox. He sicked the FBI on the Associated Press. Donald Trump hasn't sicked the FBI on anybody. Or Lyndon Johnson and JFK, all who used the IRS and the FBI, and in Johnson's case, even the CIA. Or Franklin Roosevelt, who used the IRS and the FBI. Trump hasn't done any of that.
Trump has not attacked the Second Amendment. He's trying to defend it. He's trying to defend religious liberty. He's done more to advance religious liberty than any president in my lifetime. Freedom of association. Who's attacking that? The Democrat governors, most of whom want to be president of the United States. You don't hear squat from the civil libertarians. Not a word from the anti-defamation league about what's happening to Hasidic and Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn. Not a word from the, from the ACLU. Nothing. Not a word. The only people who have the right to associate are people who are violent rioters and are going to vote for Joe Biden for President of the United States. Democrats. Democrats. It's not the Republicans who are going after the Second Amendment. It's not the Republicans who want to deny anybody due process rights or equal protection. It's not the Republicans who illegally sought warrants against another candidate. That was the Democrats. That was the Obama-Biden administration. It's not the Republicans who are scheming to destroy the Supreme Court and add seats in order to control it. I mean, if the Republicans wanted to do that, they could have done it now. They could have done it in the, when they controlled all parts of the Congress and the presidency. And they could have done it quickly, but they didn't. They didn't. So there's a party that respects and supports the Constitution, the Republican Party, and there's a party that rejects the Constitution and is seeking to grab power so the Democrat Party, as a political institution, will now control the judiciary by force, control the Congress, control the legislative process, and control the voting process. So now we're the United States of the Democrat Party, not the United States of America. And you folks who are on the fence better get the hell off the fence or you're going to have splinters on your ass. We need your help. Now is not the time for the sunshine soldier. Now is the time to vote. Now is not the time to be indecisive. Now is not the time to be worried about tweets, for God's sakes. When we're talking about the institutional destruction of our system. This isn't hype. This isn't a conspiracy. Listen to Schumer. Listen to AOC. Listen to these people. Never before in my life have we been confronted with such a danger. Never. This is a huge radio program, but it's not big enough. Each and every one of you need to carry the message. Each and every one of you need to make sure people get out and vote. Don't ignore me. Don't turn the radio off and just pass the spaghetti, honey. No, you got to listen to me. Use your phones. Use your texts. Use your emails. If there's an elderly member of your family or friend or a neighbor, help them vote. Help them get a ballot or help them get to the, the polling place. You can't leave it to the teachers' unions 
You can't leave it to BLM and Antifa and all the rest of them to get out the vote. Get out the vote. We not only need to crush these people electorally, we need to have a landslide to overcome these Obama judges and these left-wing judges in Pennsylvania, another one in Michigan. We need to overcome this. Forget about the damn polls, even though they're getting better. This isn't about polls. Polls are an attempt to figure out what's going on. Screw the polls. Become activists, and you decide what's going on. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. It's a good time to take some calls, I think. Andrew, Reading, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app. Andrew, how are you, sir? All right. Let me refresh here, see what we have here, because Andrew's good. Well, he's still up there. Richard, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Yes, how are you, Mark? I just wanted right. to let you know what I have witnessed on Long Island here. and I mean, And I've seen a parade Sunday. That had to run a pro-Trump parade that had to run about two miles along in the Farmingdale area. Unbelievable! Just wall-to-wall people, people on the side of the street waving American flags, pickup trucks with American flags, cars honking. It was amazing. The pro-Trump support that I have seen, and then today I went past an early. Po- uh, polling voting location in Massapequa, Long Island, and the lines were wrapped around the building. The parking lot was jammed full of people. That's good. Have you been to San Francisco? Uh, No, I have not. Have you been to Los Angeles? No, I have not. Have you been to Philadelphia? I heard about Philadelphia. Have you been to Chicago? Uh, No. Well, they're not voting for Trump. So what I'm trying to say is it's very important that our folks are very enthusiastic but our numbers have to be bigger than their numbers. Well, That's the well, bottom line. Our numbers have to be bigger than their numbers, and I am thrilled to see these things, but anecdotes won't win this election. So, have you voted yet? And are you going to make sure five or ten people vote? I tried today, but I couldn't even get a park in the parking lot. That's how packed the place was. So uh, I will do it, though. And we want to make sure that you get other people to vote, too. Otherwise, none of this is going to matter. 
That is true. But I'm, we can, I want to we can have as many flags and as many rallies as we want. We must show up in huge numbers and vote. Well, from what and I by the way, see- you're, hold on now. Your comment is very interesting to me. Because you showed up to vote, but it was too crowded. And you're going to see a lot of this on Election Day, which is why I'm encouraging people who can vote early in person, please do it. Whatever crowd you saw, it's going to be bigger on Election Day. And be prepared to stay as long as you need to on Election Day. This is a battle. This is a political battle that will determine who controls this country, whether it's the Democrat Party or we live in a constitutional republic. I can assure you the liberals are waiting in line. I read they're waiting in line six, seven, eight hours. So be prepared. Bring your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a bottle of water and a chair to sit on. For people like you, Mark, you are one of our nation's heroes. Well, thank you you're very, very much. kind. Thank you, sir. I voted two weekends ago. So did my family. And so are others because I'm working in the neighborhood. Very, very important. Back to Andy, Reading, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app. Andy, how are you? Very good. Thank you for taking my call, Mark. You got Mark, it. Uh, do you remember that we met you back in Long Island, the book signing? Uh, my father wanted to say thank you for all you do for the country. Uh, also, I would like to tell you that we are ready so to elect President Trump for another four more years. So I got all my families and friends ready to re-elect President Trump again. I'm trying to remember you. Dominican? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, Dominican Republic. Ah, uh, what a family. Way... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we Beautiful, all beautiful way, family. Uh, beautiful. Thank you. Uh, we are building a vacation house, and when I heard that you were coming to, to Long Island, my dad said, hey, you know what? We need to go there, buy the book, and then get a sign for Mark. So he's a wonderful man. Yes. Well, you're very, very kind, and I'm glad you're voting. Make sure everyone in your family gets out and vote. It's so damn important. We live in everything in the field. So uh, That's it. the president got our vote. So I got all my family in Florida, New York, and Pennsylvania ready. So every people that I see, every people that I meet in the daily basis, I right away say, hey, we got to vote. Make sure that we vote for President Trump. You're a good man, Andy. God bless you, my friend. Now, we have a fellow who's a wonderful fellow. He is a Vietnamese refugee. And this guy's unbelievable. He can do anything, whether it's construction, electrical, plumbing. He's got licenses to do this, then, this, and this. He can build fences. This is a remarkable man. And I think he's in his late 40s, probably. And so my wife, Julie, says, so what, what do you, you know, your family? Or he said, Trump. All Trump. And all the Vietnamese I know, Trump. We know tyranny. We know communism. We had to escape to come to this country. It's Trump. I bump into people. They come up to me. Individuals who've come to this country, who've become citizens from Nigeria from the Sudan, from other parts of Africa. Trump. That's not to say some are not Biden, but most of them come up to me and say Trump. Haiti. People I know from Haiti. Trump. 
Let's hope so. We'll see. We'll see because people who are here, relatively new citizens, who've had to escape tyrannies, they know tyranny. And you all should know tyranny too, even if you've been born here. We've talked about it long enough. You're now staring it in the face. You're staring tyranny in the face. Forget about the media. Forget about commentators. Forget about these commercials they pay for. You are staring tyranny in the face. And the question is whether each one of us are going to do something about it or expect somebody else to do something about it. There is no somebody else. The framers have now left that to us. We're the voters. It's now up to us. We're the voters. We have to make the determination. And we get to vote whether we want this tyranny or whether we want to remain a constitutional republic. That's the vote. Forget about the tweets. I'll be right back. Listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. By the way, just to prove it to you, almost exactly a year ago, here's a headline from the Washington Examiner. The Supreme Court must resist the Democrats' shameful court packing intimidation. So they're using now the appointment of Justice Barrett as an excuse because there was no nomination of a Justice Barrett a year ago. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat Rhode Island, and four of his Democratic colleagues threatened the Supreme Court with restructuring. If it doesn't heal itself, basically they're flirting with court packing, it's written here. And some have suggested, for example, increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court Rotating justices off and on. Uh, you hear Biden repeat this or, or, and so forth. So this is, this is something that has been a, on the wish list of the Democrats and the radicals for some time. Has absolutely nothing to do with Justice Barrett. When they say, now everything's on the table. Now everything's on the table. Folks, everything was on the table. Everything was on the table. They were always planning to pack the court. It literally had nothing to do with Justice Barrett. They were always looking to change freedom of speech. They were always looking to undermine religious liberty. They are always looking to eviscerate the Second Amendment. As I've been saying today and have been saying throughout my career on radio, this is about the Democrat Party empowering itself. The Constitution is in the way. It's an obstacle. The Bill of Rights especially. Unless, of course, you're one of their constituents, perhaps a mass murderer or whatever. Then they want to make sure that you're, you have a lawyer, you're protected, and can vote, even from prison. Ask Bernie Sanders. That's what he said. And I believe he means it. You know, we've talked a lot about why the Media Research Center is essential in the fight against the left-wing media. No one does a better job uncovering the truth and taking the fight to dishonest journalists than the MRC. 
Learn about that mrclevin.org, mrclevin.org. Thanks to the MRC, the media's on the defense lately, trying to explain why they've shed any pretense of objectivity about the election. Facebook, Twitter, and the media are censoring the New York Post stories exposing the corruption of the Bidens. The media are even scapegoating Joe Biden's debate admission that he, excuse me, sugarcoating it, that he wants to transition away from oil, a shocking statement that should dominate the news cycle. The MRC is out there telling the American people the truth, unlike the dishonest journalists and big tech companies who are in the tank for Joe Biden. No matter what happens on November 3rd, we can count on the MRC to take the fight to the media every day. So go to mrclevin.org. That's mrclevin.org, mrclevin.org. Now, I need to tell you something. Every now and then when I'm reading, you'll hear me get a word wrong or I have to take a pause, and I want you to know why. I've touched on this in the past because I'm reading with my left eye closed. I had a hemorrhage in the back of my left eye retina last December. We've made excellent progress in trying to save the sight in that eye. I have wonderful doctors. And I go in once a month to have a needle in the eye. It's not as painful as it sounds because they deaden it, but it's not exactly something I look forward to. So sometimes I just can't see the, the script as clearly as I would like to see it, or I'll get a word wrong. It's not that I'm losing my mind. It's not that I'm illiterate. It's that I just can't see it as well as I used to be able to see it. Right, I'm not going full Biden. (laughs) You know, Mark, you attack Biden, but you can't read. I can read, but every now and then there's a hiccup uh, due to this kind of a physical impairment. But but it is improving, and... uh, and they did save my sight, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I appreciate that very much. And the left eye I'm talking about. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened. It just happened. All right. A montage. Good Morning America warns that the Supreme Court is conservative. Good Morning America. Which is really throw up on your... On your shoes, America. Cut 10, go. Locking in a 6-3 conservative majority on the high court. Barrett's set to immediately hear cases. You know, this, this uh, Stephanopoulos is a creepy little bastard. He really is. He's a little left-wing Democrat hack. Who puts his, not his finger on the scale, his entire body on the scale for the Democrats. What 6-3 conservative majority are they talking about? Do they ever talk about the left this way when they have a majority, quote-unquote? Of course not. So they're trying to scare the hell out of the people. They want you to think this is a right-wing court that's going to take all your rights away. And isn't that precious? When, in fact, the originalists take their oath seriously and are trying to faithfully interpret the Constitution and uphold your rights under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights included. Not deny them. I just went through a litany of issues where the Democrats oppose liberty and rights under the Constitution, correct? And so they want to take the Supreme Court and impose their will politically. And so you get this surface-level, moronic, constitutionally illiterate commentary from the likes of a George Stephanopoulos. 
Everything is looked through the lens of the political left. Start at the top, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Locking in a 6-3 conservative majority on the high court. Barrett's set to immediately hear cases. What this could mean for the future of health care, abortion, and immigration. Barrett locks in a solid... Stop. So doesn't he sound like a a spokesman for Biden and the DNC? What does this mean for health care and abortion and all the issues that we hold dear? What does it mean for Obamacare? Oh, my God, you can't overthrow Obamacare. Everybody loves Obamacare. Except, of course, the left that wants to destroy it and have single-payer, iron-fisted, Stalinist-type health care. But that's beside the point. No, no, no. We can't have that. Oh, my God, abortion. We want abortion everywhere, anytime, and for free. The taxpayers have to pay for it. What the hell? It's a choice. It's not a human being. Sick. Absolutely sick. Go ahead. Majority on the court. The move, locking in a 6-3 conservative majority Ooh, on the... Oh, a 6-3 conservative majority locked in. What are they talking about? It's six justices appointed by Republican presidents. It doesn't lock in a conservative anything. And they know it. They're liars. They're propagandists. You won't find that six block in each and every major case holding together time and time and time again. I wish it would, but it won't. They don't act like the left on the court. No, the activists. Go ahead. ...highest court for years to come. Barrett locks in a solid conservative majority on the court. No president since Richard Nixon has had this many Supreme Court appointments. Oh, and those were great appointments by Nixon. Let's see. Harry Blackman, who wrote the Roe v. Wade decision. Lewis Powell, who voted more times with the activists than he did with the originalists. Wow, that, that, you know, so many seats is is Nixon. Of course, Franklin Roosevelt turned over the court altogether, but that's a whole other story. History is only what we want to make of it when you're on the left. Go ahead. Term and George, this is a conservative majority on the court now locks in this legacy for President Trump. He's conservative majority. Georgia locks in this legacy uh, for Trump, and, uh, and they're going to do all kinds of stuff. They're going to overthrow uh, Roe v. Wade. I wish they would, but they won't. How do you like that? Leave it to the people to decide what they want to do with abortion. If 50 states want abortion, great. But we're not even talking about abortion, per se. We're talking about, are there ever going to be any limits on abortion? In other words... Can we make sure that only certain doctors can perform the abortion? No! Can we make sure the abortion can only be performed by a doctor who has hospital privileges in a hospital within 20 miles of the abortion? No! No limits. It's a choice, damn it. Well, what about these abortion clinics and these horrific things that happen and they're not regular? It's a choice! It's a fetus. Oh. Well, I guess that changes everything. It's your Democrat Party. It's your Democrat Party. It's sickening. And then you hear the montage from the media. Which is appalling. Appalling. Then we have Nancy, that is Eva Pelosi at MSLSD. Cut 11, go. Are you, as the Speaker of the House, are you open to efforts to do that in the future? That is, pack the Supreme Court. Go ahead. 
Well, I think that Joe Biden has given us a good path. He's going to have something that people can understand why this is important. And I like what something that Brian said about not just the Supreme Court, but the other courts. It was. Oh, my God. You know, we're not going to look. They all need rebalancing. What? Yes, the police need to be reimaged and the courts need to be rebalanced. Oh. In other words, the police need to be destroyed and the court needs to be destroyed. That's re-imaging and rebalance. We, we must rebalance. And, you know, nobody's more objective about rebalancing things than Nancy Eva Pelosi. No, no, no. She has no, no agenda. She's not intending to do anything that would just advantage the left. and the No, 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 no. They just need to rebalance, not just the Supreme Court, all the judiciary. And notice it only comes up in 2019 and 2020 when the President of the United States is following the Constitution. The Republican Senate is following the Constitution. Harry Reid killed the filibuster rule as applies to appellate judges, so McConnell took it the next step on the Supreme Court. I want you to consider the following. The Democrats filibustered judicial nominees under George W. Bush at a level never seen in American history. So they tried to destroy the confirmation process. When Obama took over, the same Democrats eliminated the filibuster rule as applies to circuit judges. So they used the rule under a Republican president when they controlled the Senate. They abolished the rule as applies to judges when the Democrats controlled the White House and the Senate. Good little Marxists. The Republicans come in and they say, okay, use the nuclear option. You got rid of the filibuster as applies to circuit judges. We're going to do the same thing as applies to the Supreme Court. We'll just take it the next step. You can't do that. We were going to do that if we took over the presidency. But now you have a Republican president. You're doing what we wanted to do. You can't do that. President nominates Gorsuch. He gets through pretty easily. He gets one. That's it. Just one. President nominates Kavanaugh. Can't have that. So they try to destroy the man in the most vicious and horrific way. I don't even think the uh, Stalinist show trials could have done as good of a job as the homegrown Stalinists in the Democrat Party in our own country. Then it's Barrett. They can't really attack her because she's a woman. They don't want to turn off the suburban women they start attacking her Catholicism, and then they think, oh, wait a minute, we may lose the Italians and uh, the Irish. We can't do that. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then they start attacking her for other reasons. Then they attack the process. What do you mean, Donald Trump? You're nominating somebody to fill a vacancy on the court, and the Republican Senate's going to confirm. I mean, what do you mean? You can't put a constitutionalist in place of an activist. RGB? RBG, I mean? <laughs> RBG? You can't replace RBG 
with ACB. We can't have that. But we are going to have that. All right. Everything's on the table. Now we're going to pack the damn court. Wait a minute. You said that last year and a year before. I don't care. This is a good excuse. We're going to pack the court. Every damn thing's on the table. And then the media go along. Uh, Madam Speaker, what do you think about that? Well, I I actually think it's a good idea. You know, uh, well into the 1870s, I think it was 1876, there were nine justices. We need to rebalance. We need to rebalance not just the Supreme Court, all the courts. Why? They never tell you that the circuit court in Washington, D.C., the second most powerful court in the land, they call it, they packed that court. Are you aware of that, Mr. Producer? I think it was three seats. They added three seats to that court so Obama could appoint more Obama judges to control the majority on that court. Did you know that? So America, I'll be the first to say, and all the backbenchers on TV and radio can regurgitate it. They already packed the D.C. Circuit Court, the Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. They want to do the same thing to the Supreme Court. I'll be right back. Mark You know, I'm going to be very direct with you. If your cellular plan is still with Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. My words. You're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you'd be getting right now with Pure Talk. Look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage, or take my word for it. The average person who switches to Pure Talk, while is using less than 4 gigs of data a month, but the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. You don't need unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane but only needing one seat. Now, why would you do that? That's how Pure Talk saves the average person, saves all of us, over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just 20 bucks a month. Now, let's say you go way over the two gigs of data for some reason. If you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. They charge you nothing. So, folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make. Easiest decision you'll make today. Easiest decision you'll make all week. Grab your mobile phone. Here's what you do. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin. That's pound 250 and say Mark Levin. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say keyword Mark Levin. It's that simple. Pure talk, simply smarter wireless. You know what? I shouldn't say this. But I tell you things as, as they come into my mind. I'm going to try to be careful. But We have a place in Florida. And I wish we were in Florida right now. You want to know why? Not only so I could see my wonderful brother. But there's a restaurant there that I love that makes this panko grouper. Have you ever had panko grouper, Mr. Producer? It's unbelievable. And the owners of this, I don't get any kickbacks. There's no payola, so please. I don't get like a special hot dog or something. And they put it on a bed of noodles for me. And I can't stop thinking about it. 
My buddy, Robin Anita, Flash Beach. Not Flasher, Flash Beach in Hope Sound. Giving them a call out, a shout out. I get nothing from them for free. They'll tell you that themselves. I'm in the mood. I can't help it. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 3811. We're going to have uh, two wonderful guests. We're going to have uh, Senate candidate John James of Michigan and House candidate of Texas Chip Roy, a personal friend, former chief of staff of Ted Cruz, and he's in a battle for, for the future and part of that state. Ilian Omar. Ilian Omar came to this country as a teenager, as a refugee from Somalia. And... Um, on NBC streaming, they call it Peacock yesterday. Uh, she chipped in her thoughts about Barrett, Justice Barrett in the Supreme Court. Cut 15, go. I mean, this is really an illegitimate process, um, <clears throat> truly, that has exposed the hypocrisy of Republicans as they've rushed through this process and um, have foregone many of the traditions that they have set themselves. Uh, and it's leaving so many Americans really worried uh, about what this would mean for them, what it would mean for women in regards to their reproductive rights, what it would mean for immigrants like myself um, when it comes to our religious liberty, what it would mean for our brothers and sisters in the queer community or the trans folks in our community. Okay, 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 okay. This is not a... Uh the originalists, they're not Sovietologists. And so this is what what they do. And she would later say that she supports the packing of the Supreme Court. In the past, she has demonstrated how much she hates this country, the things she has said about Jews. I'm going to make a statement that should not be controversial. But at least... The circumstances for immigration used to be, even for refugees, if you want to come to the country, you must have allegiance to the country, allegiance to its constitution, and assimilate into its culture. It's obvious that we're not doing that well enough. Because Ilian Omar, in her past comments about the, the attack on the United States on 9-11, and I can go and do a whole list of audio and so forth of the things that she has said that's been so hateful towards this country and the people of this country. No refugee should be permitted into this country unless they're going to have allegiance to the country, 
unless they're going to assimilate into the culture of the country, and unless they're going to be patriotic. That doesn't mean they have to agree with me or you, not by any means. They can be Democrats, they can be liberals. I'm not talking about Democrats or liberals here. This used to be a non-controversial position. The purpose of immigration, just so we all understand, the purpose of immigration is to support and strengthen the existing country. Immigration is not about the individual immigrant. Somehow we've turned this upside down. If you look at history, that's not the point of immigration. The the point of immigration is what is going to benefit the body politic of the United States, not what's going to benefit the specific individual. Now that specific individual may have a case to make to our country, to our government for coming into the country. They fear for their lives is a perfectly important example. But in exchange for coming into this country, you have to show a loyalty to this country. Again, we're not talking about you have to believe as Mark Levin believes. That's not my point. And throughout most of our history, up until very, very recently, that was a requirement. What do you think Ellis Island was? Ellis Island was an interview process. Where people would be processed, they'd be asked... If, if they have a, uh, a form of income because you're willing to be a, uh, a, a, a welfare recipient of the state, they were asked if they had relatives so they have some place to live. They were asked if they have any particular communicable diseases and so forth. And they were told and asked about their loyalty to this country. And by loyalty, we don't mean blind acceptance, what we mean of, uh, of a particular political perspective. We mean loyalty to the United States of America. Assimilation into the culture. Embracing the founding principles. Again, you can disagree, but when you go back and listen to her or watch her videos, she's a hate America first member of the House of Representatives. So we need to do a better job, a much better job, if we want this country to survive. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this country, whether they work at Media Matters or Mediate or these other places, who may not. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, who may not. It's really quite appalling. Now we have a couple of things that I just want to play for you just for kicks. Here's Joe Biden yesterday. Cut 16, go. But my wife, Jill, as you know, and Doug Emhoff, uh, Kamala's wife are there. So this guy, Kamala's wife, is Doug Emhoff. Well, who knew? So Doug Emhoff obviously self-identifies. But that, you know... People say, well, these are gaffes. They're not gaffes. This is evidence of somebody who's quite ill. Kamala Harris. Now, this is a gaffe. Cut 17, go. We're in the middle of a crisis caused by this pandemic that is a public health crisis. Um, We're looking at over 220 million Americans who just in the last several months died. 220 million Americans. Means there's only 100 million left. 
Kamala's been a senator through all this. What has she done? What has she proposed? What has she, what has she put before her fellow senators? Not a damn thing. Now I want to show you how loathsome the American media are. Joe Scarborough, who had a serious media that was self-policing and had standards, this guy wouldn't be on the air. This guy would be cleaning toilets. Cut 18, go. Nobody's ever done so much to kill so many people. That is correct. Nobody's ever done so much to kill so many people. And his idiot sidekick says that's true. Nobody's ever done so much to kill so many people. And Comcast, which owns MSNBC, is perfectly fine with this. Now, Scarborough is a sick bastard, and he always has been. But doesn't get any sicker than this. Hit it from the top, please. Go ahead. Nobody's ever done so much to kill so many people. That is that's correct. That's true. Nobody. That, literally nobody. Nobody is in, in the White House. It just hasn't. you, you got to hand that to him. Yes, that, you do. That he has made history. That, if it wasn't so sad, yeah. I'd, I'd laugh harder. She was laughing. See, they don't care about these 220,000 who perished. They know nothing about a single one of them. They haven't talked to any of the families of those who perished in nursing homes and assisted living homes as a result of policies set by governors and so forth. They don't care about these people. This is all about politics, setting a personal score, settling, about defeating Trump. These are loathsome individuals with ice water in their veins. They're loathsome. Nobody's ever done so much to kill so many people. Nobody in the White House You have to hand it to him. Nobody in the White House. Just so sickening, it's beyond, uh, it's really beyond belief. And they're laughing. They're having a good old time. They don't care about any of these people. And they know damn well it has nothing to do with Trump. They know damn well it has nothing to do with Trump. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S.
Chip Roy is one of the most important members of the House of Representatives. He is a leading constitutionalist and conservative voice in the House, uh, which is why he's being targeted. He is uh, obviously running for re-election, and he's running against a uh, very left-wing, iconic, uh, radical abortion supporter. And so they are pouring enormous amounts of money into this district to try and defeat him. Chip Roy, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I hope you and your wonderful family are doing well. All is good. Tell everybody about yourself and your opponent. Absolutely. Well, you covered it pretty well in the summary form. You know, I represent Central Texas, Austin down to San Antonio. Uh, Austin is becoming a bigger part of this district, which means it's getting a little tighter in terms of the numbers. And the left thinks they can flip Texas. They they want to target me because, as you said, I, I kind of you know, up in the apple cart in D.C. a lot and, and push back on their leftist agenda. And they've got Wendy Davis running, who, as you pointed out, you know, made her name on 20-week abortion, uh, believing that she should filibuster to preserve twenty week, post-20-week abortion. And, um, you know, look, she's a radical leftist all the way down the agenda. She's a rubber stamp for Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she would be a rubber stamp for Nancy Pelosi if she were to be in the House, you know, killing fracking in our energy industry, siding with Iran over uh, over Israel, uh, you know, standing against border security. She voted against banning sanctuary cities. Uh, she sides with BLM and Antifa over police officers. She thinks it's fine that the city of Austin has cut the police budget by a third. She is a radical leftist. And, uh, and, and look, they know it. They're trying to pour uh, tons of resources into this district to try to flip it. $15 million of ads have been run against me, uh, which I wear as a badge of honor. I mean, you know, you're not taking flag because you're not over the target. But, um, but they got $15 million against me. You'll appreciate this, Mark. You and I share an affinity for uh, dogs, right, both of us. Yeah. And uh, I used to say as a joke on the campaign trail, they're going to start accusing me of hating puppies, right? They already say I hate veterans and women and children and everything else. Literally, they run mailers now the last uh, week saying I hate puppies. I'm not kidding it because of some big appropriations bill I voted against that had something something about horses in the Humane Society. So they'll do anything at this point, uh, including saying I hate puppies. But we're working it hard, knocking doors, making phone calls, and, and uh, you know, really, you know, all your listeners out there to get out the vote thing. And uh, how's it looking there? You know, it looks great in what I call, you know, Texas, in the Hill Country, San Antonio. Uh, you know, Austin is obviously, it's, it's my old boss, Governor Rick Perry, used to call it the blueberry and the tomato soup. Uh, it's a very, you know, liberal part of Texas. And they're trying to turn out those numbers. And it's now, as I said, a bigger part of the district. It's almost a third of the district. So, you know, in, in most of the district, it is overwhelmingly supportive of President Trump overwhelmingly supportive of me. Uh, it's great seeing signs and all the support. They're making calls. Uh, the numbers are good, but the numbers on the Democratic side are high. And I'm just going to be blunt. We, are, we need more Republicans to turn out. We got a lot of Republicans who say they show up on Election Day. We're studying the numbers hard. We have three more days of early voting in Texas. We need those numbers to go up. If you're a Republican and you're in Texas, particularly in Texas 21 and Central Texas, we need you to go vote. Uh, we will win this election if every Republican who's voted in primaries the last three or four years, if you show up to vote, will win. But however many of you don't show up to vote means Democrats have a shot at winning this. It's a turnout election. If you're a Republican, go vote. And nothing more important for the future of our country and our kids and our grandkids than showing up to vote. Now, people want to know if they're in your district or if people want to help you, even from outside your district, because obviously you're being uh, swamped with left-wing money from all over the country. Where do they go? Well, chiproy.com, C-H-I-P-R-O-Y.com. 
your listeners have been very generous, and I appreciate it. And, and you know, we need the help. I, I'm, I just bought another bit of ad uh, today, $350,000. Every dollar you guys give me literally goes lead on target against Wendy Davis. Every dollar goes to mail. It goes to, uh, you know, advertisements. It goes to making phone calls to turn out the vote. So at ChipRoy.com. Anything you can do, 25 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, it helps. Uh, Levin surges are always great for America. Uh, but we got to take down Wendy Davis. We got to stand with the president. He's taking arrows on behalf of our country, making sure that we have a good, solid agenda. We just saw the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, what a great day having Clarence Thomas swear her in. Uh, and it's such a, you know, look, the things that he's doing for this country. Governor Perry was at a rally for me with veterans last week, and he made a great point. He said, for all you people getting wrapped around the axle about a tweet or something that someone says, stop voting with your feelings and go vote for your country. Go vote for your kids and your grandkids. Go vote for Israel. Go vote for your gun rights and your First Amendment rights. Go vote for the border. Go vote for better veterans. Go vote for a strong economy. Uh, Don't side with the left because of some sort of fit of concern about a tweet. And he couldn't be more right. And, you know, the country depends on patriots standing up right now. And that's what we're asking everybody to do, is to go show up and vote and stand up for America. That's ChipRoy.com, just as it sounds. ChipRoy.com, uh, he is a priority, as far as I'm concerned. Unfortunately, you're a priority for the left, as they want to push, uh, push through your opponent. Um, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, I think we have a shot. I mean, it's a tough shot at taking the House if we win seats like yours. Nancy Pelosi's already said she intends to run again for speaker. Have you ever had any dealings with her? Because she strikes me as an incredibly vicious, nasty, petty human being. Well, it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, what you see is what you get. What you see on these interviews is what you get. And this is somebody who clearly has no interest in helping the American people. She's been playing politics since the spring with this virus. I mean, what kind of people politicize a virus? Democrats in the House of Representatives, that's who. I had to fight around that in June with a freshman Democrat, mind you, to pass the PPP Flexibility Act to help small businesses. We helped uh, 18,500 businesses get 60,000 jobs in Central Texas, the district I represent. Why? Because we worked hard to do it. Not This wasn't a partisan thing, Mark. She made it partisan. She made everything partisan because she wants to make sure that nothing is more important than trying to stop Trump, kill the economy, kill small businesses. She doesn't care. And that's what we're dealing with here. And, yes, we have a shot at taking back the House. If every Republican who has voted in a Republican primary and voted in primaries in the last three or four years across the nation show up and overwhelm the Democrats, we will win. We'll take back the House. We'll hold the Senate. Uh, Donald Trump will be reelected. And imagine what we can do for health care. Imagine what we can do for our economy. Imagine what we can do uh, to secure the border of the United States and protect our communities and, our, and stand with our cops instead of BLM and Antifa. Nancy Pelosi's in direct opposition to that. And Wendy Davis, by the way, would be a rubber stamp for her. Mm-hmm. All right, Chip Roy. So we want to support Chip Roy. It's chiproy.com. How's your ground game going? It's going great. We've knocked 135,000 doors. We've made about 75,000 phone calls. We're stepping on the gas. We, we want to get both of those way up. Outside groups have been coming in. I can't you know, coordinate with them, but they come in and they help. Uh, Club for Growth's been running great ads, pointing out all of Wendy's hypocrisy. And, you know, we're, we're working it hard. I'm in Kerrville, Texas right now in a hotel. I'm going to get up in the morning and go out to beautiful Lakey and out to Bandera. All 10 counties that I represent, I'm going to hit all of them in this last week. Wendy Davis is hiding in her condo in downtown Austin, drinking lattes and, you know, trying to uh, shove Austin values on the rest of this district. And I'm out 
with the people. We're going to work it hard, and we're going to we're going to win on Tuesday by sheer hard work. If the people of Texas show up, and I think they're doing it, we need to make sure everybody shows up across the country to stand amen, up for America. Amen, amen, Everyone vote and bring four or five people with you. Get ten people out to vote. Everyone needs to do their duty here. Chip Roy, we wish you the best. Levinites, I hope you'll give them all the support you can. It's chiproy.com. God bless, my friend. God bless you. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The liberals and the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we need to hold the United States Senate, and it's likely we're going to lose a few seats, but we need to gain a few seats, too. And one of the superstars out there is in Michigan by the name of John James. John James, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, but I am no superstar. I'm just a servant, child of God, and looking forward to serving the people in the state of Michigan and this great country of ours. All right. Well, tell us about your race and tell us about your opponent. Well, uh, <laughs> um, well, the race is going really well. I think the people are ready for, uh, for somebody who can bring uh, relevant real-world leadership, someone who's been tested on the battlefield. I'm a West Point graduate, uh, Ranger qualified, includes 750 hours combat and Operation Rocky Freedom. I know what it takes to protect American lives because I've done it before. I came back home to create economic opportunity for people who were suffering as a result of the Great uh, Recession in a city that went bankrupt in an industry that needed a bailout, grew my family business, an automotive logistics company, uh, in some of the toughest times in one of the toughest industries uh, under the great weight of NAFTA. And uh, I understand what it takes uh, to increase economic opportunity for people uh, and to grow um, uh, families' incomes while keeping them on health care. I understand what it takes to look out people's livelihoods. Uh, I believe that firsthand experience in the real world is what we need so badly in Washington when career politicians like Gary Peters are all talk and don't deliver for us. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, uh, to working with anyone and everyone uh, to making sure we, we move past this COVID crisis uh, as quickly as possible and uh, we, we start refocusing on, on jobs and economy and strengthening our national security. You know, John James, I've looked at the background of this fellow, Gary Peters. It's a very thin record. It's all about government, all about politics, pretty much. Um, in, the, in the state of, of Michigan, what the hell has he done for the people of Michigan? No, uh, nothing, nothing. He, he, he talks. He, he, that's all he's done. He's an ineffective career politician who serves himself. He always votes party lines, and he doesn't show up for work. 
Uh, he's been in politics for 30 years, been in Washington for 12, been in the Senate for six, and nobody knew his name until an election year. 33% of people in the state of Michigan had no clue who he was. And to this day, seven days away from election night, people still can't put their finger on what he's done. He, he likes to talk about the Great Lakes, uh, but there's still Asian carp DNA in the Chicago River. They're still dumping in Lake St. Clair and algae blooms in the Erie. There's PFAS in our inland waterways, wells, and our babies are still drinking leaded water. He wants to talk about health care, but small businesses like mine are still paying 75 to 85% of our employees' health care premiums, but their deductibles and co-pays are still too expensive. And he wants to attack me for saying that I want to fix the parts of Obamacare that are broken and keep the parts that aren't, while he enjoys an ACA-exempted plan for politicians that we don't get access to, Mark, but, but, but we do get to pay for. Uh, the list is long. He's, he's ranking member of Homeland Security, can't open his mouth without bragging about that, but he literally, it's his job to protect us from pandemics and the threats to the homeland and prepare us for them. And he failed. He downplayed initial reports. He blew off meetings and, and he ignored briefings. He's literally failed at every aspect of his job. But what he has done, Mark, is he has voted 95% with Chuck Schumer, which is a solid A as a New York senator. He has voted 85% with Bernie Sanders, which is a solid B as a socialist, and he was just recently, yesterday, endorsed by AOC uh, uh, for being somebody who would help toe the party line to, to get this leftist agenda forward. We can't do that. That's why we need to be Gary Peters. Go to johnjamesforsenate.com, johnjamesforsenate.com, and see for yourself, read, and recognize that this could be the 51st seat in the United States Senate to protect and preserve our constitutional republic. You can help. You can participate, and you can stand up for freedom, just like me. Wow. I mean, if I lived in Michigan, I'd vote for you. Uh, that well, was outstanding. On. Well, come on, look, come on. No, 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 I'm Let's headed for forward. Florida. I'm, I'm not going to Michigan. <laughs> but, any, <laughs> but anyway. It was, only, it was only freezing rain and windy today. It's yeah, fine. yeah I know. Let's put a coat on. Trust me, I'm from Philly. It's not exactly, uh, you know, Miami <laughs> and Philly. Uh, John James, tell us tell us about the funding. Are they loading up his uh, his commercials all over TV? You know what? Uh, they absolutely are. Uh, they they are in full on freeout mode. Uh, we've been in. Uh, Hold on. What happened to our connection, Mister Producer? Try again, John. Uh, okay, so. Um, uh, they are in full-on freak-out mode Very right good. now. They are throwing everything, uh, even the kitchen sink, and they have completely abandoned the truth. They are lying about my position like a dog. Uh, Senator Peters wants to talk about uh, what he what what I would do for health care when all I've said is we need to have a market-based patient-centered approach that must cover pre-existing conditions. Meanwhile, Senator Peters voted uh, to take $716 billion away from Medicare, uh, saying that Medicare for all is the way to go for the which would send our seniors to the back of the line after they paid in their whole line. That's not fair. Uh, Senator Peters wants to talk about black folks. When uh, he called for police reform for four years, and we had the opportunity to vote for it, to, to, to negotiate and compromise, to, to put improvements for it, uh, he voted against it because Chuck Schumer told him to. I say, look at our schools, look at our neighborhoods, look at our families, look at the way we're living. Look at the way African Americans who've been pandered to by the left and Gary Peters, look at our plight. And look at our financial anxiety and socioeconomic immobility. But you don't have to look just at African Americans. You can look all across our state, and you can see folks in rural areas of our state who've been disappointed and neglected by Gary Peters. I would say if Gary Peters and the Democrats put as much money and effort into helping the people and for the past six years that he's spending trying to beat me over the past six weeks, then maybe I wouldn't have had to run. 
People in the state of Michigan deserve better than mediocrity. Gary Peters is a mediocre, ineffective, self-serving career politician, and he continues to benefit off the backs of our work. And in seven days, we get a chance to fire and put somebody else who knows how to lead. We can send a warfighter to Washington, not a gaslighter. We can send a, 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 a competent uh, business leader, not a, a, a corporate uh, politician. We need to make sure that we have better representation in Washington with real-world experience, and I believe that's me. Again, go to johnjamesforsenate.com support. I need your help. johnjamesforsenate.com, Levinites out there. He needs your help, and we want to help. johnjamesforsenate.com. You can go to Mark Levin Show Parlor, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook. They're all there, or you can go directly to johnjamesforsenate.com. John James, how's your ground game there? Ground game is great. I mean, when you talk about the energy that we have um, for people who are who are just getting out, and again, um, we have COVID um, uh, considerations, but uh, we got we got started very very early. Um, we actually have uh, leagues of of younger voters, uh, younger volunteers, because people uh, and, and Mark, I, I wasn't, I didn't realize this until about halfway through this past year, that when I started talking about economic opportunity, when I started talking about um, uh, expanding economic opportunity for everyone. Uh, I was thinking, of course, uh, of African Americans and the way Democrats have failed and the lip service. But, you know, when you don't have a black message or a white message, but you have a red, white, and blue message, all of a sudden it starts resonating with everyone, regardless of race, color, and creed. And people of younger generations, people who have been told and know that they're not going to do as well as their parents, People who know and are looking at the spending in this country and recognize that Medicare and Social Security may not be there for them. People who recognize that they had to quarantine in their parents' houses because they didn't have the because they've been pushed to China and Mexico. Um, the economic opportunity me- uh, message resonates with younger folks, and having a millennial African American talking about opportunity for everyone, someone who loves everyone despite where they are. Um, I, that's a message that resonates with, with everyone. And uh, we've been able to get a lot of volunteers out there in places that you wouldn't suspect, Oakland County, Kent County, Wayne County. I, I visited with um, a local minister in Detroit, in downtown Detroit, with people knocking doors, uh, African-Americans, uh, basically um, putting up my lit and telling the truth because people have been lied to for so, for, for so long. Uh, and, and people are really excited to finally have representation that both looks like in Detroit and thinks like outside of Detroit more likes them. That is representative government, and that's what I'm talking about bringing, putting the, the people first uh, rather than politics. And, and that's what everybody wants, regardless of age, regardless of color, regardless of station in life. Somebody who puts them first and not their own political self-interest. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Detroit, uh, right across the 6th and Linwood, if you're familiar. And then later on in life, we had the, uh, the great blessing and opportunity uh, to move out closer to, uh, to better schools. Because, you know, that's what you do when you make a little bit of money. You want to take care of your, your family. And education and entrepreneurship has always been the, uh, the way the Lord has, uh, has, has blessed folks in this country. And uh, when you take a look at uh, the attacks that the left is putting against uh, entrepreneurship and, uh, and the way they're letting our schools fail, bolting our children, uh, the outcomes tied to their zip codes, uh, the path to the American dream is becoming more treacherous, and Democrats are leaving people behind. Uh, when you take a look at uh, the worst unemployment rate in the state of Michigan, uh, over 33 uh, in, in, uh, percent, I'm sorry, the poverty rate in, in Wayne County 
uh, is at 33%. But the unemployment rate uh, in in, uh, in Sheboygan County is uh, is in the mid-30s as well. Uh, I, I, poverty doesn't know race. Hunger doesn't know race. Uh, and I'm looking forward to represent all parts of the state, not just the parts that get attention. I'm looking forward to representing all people, whether or not you agree with me. I'm not sure if your listeners have uh, ever read this book, but if you haven't, they definitely should. Uh, but uh, J.D. Vance uh, wrote uh, Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, and yes. I believe that Netflix is coming out with a rendition, I think, with uh, with Amy, uh, I forget her name, uh, a stellar actress, and Glenn Close. Uh, and, and J.D., I did a great job, and I think that it, it opens people's eyes to the fact that uh, hunger hits the same, poverty hits the same, our career politicians uh, failing uh, the mental health system and, and, and with opioids hits people the same regardless of where you're from. And we need to have representation who understands how to meet people where they are, uh, who aren't going to put politics as a barrier for, for addressing the needs of human beings. And, uh, and, and I, I think that uh, where I was raised, kind of informs, informs me of that. All right. uh, uh, and, and having that opportunity is, is a great chance to, uh, to represent folks and to help people where they are. We're going to have to go, but school choice, support or no? Uh, I'm on the board of one of the, uh, the, the big uh, school ch- uh, charter schools in the state. Wonderful. Um, and, Wonderful. Uh, and so, yes, I support school choice. I believe that when you give uh, parents choice, you give children a chance. But I also believe that we need to make public schools successful, private schools successful, homeschool mm-hmm. and charter schools, because I think that uh, a quality education is a basic civil right, and anyone who stands in the way of a quality education for our children is a civil rights violator and must be dealt with. All right, it's John James for Senate.com. You can see how uh, powerful he would be in the United States Senate, America. All over the country, as you know, we need to hold the Senate. And so we're going to lose some seats. We need to pick up some seats. John James will be a fantastic senator. John James for Senate.com. All of our friends listening in Michigan, uh, you have a wonderful opportunity to send a terrific man to the United States Senate. We wish you all the best, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. God bless you. And God bless you, too. We'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The shows leading up to the election and on Election Day are absolutely critical, and I'm treating them that way. I hope you can see that. On election night, right here, Tuesday night, you're going to want to be with us. Forget about TV. I'm quite serious about this. Nobody covers elections the way I do. I've been through a lot of them. 
I'm not going to give you a spin. I'll be getting inside information about various aspects of uh, various uh, monitoring of, of, of precincts and polls and so forth. So, or at a very minimum, have us on and the TV on. But uh, we cover presidential elections like nobody else here on the Mark Levin Show. That's no brag. That's just fact. Rusty, St. Augustine, Florida. Sirius Satellite, how are you, Rusty? I'm well, Mark, and I know you're doing well. You are in full vigor tonight giving us the the what for, and thank, thank you, you for doing that. Well, thank uh, you. And you give all of us an opportunity once in a while, but you fill in the blanks all the time. Very, well, very, very well, sir. Before I get to my main point, I wanted to share what my friend Mark posted last night. said the Republican Senate filled Justice Thurgood Marshall's seat on the Supreme Court with Justice Clarence Thomas in 1990. The Republican Senate just filled Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat on the Supreme Court with Amy Coney Barrett in 2020. If I were a Democrat, I would be frustrated, too. Mm. So to go back on your point about the court. So now I called you about voting last week or two weeks ago when I called you, I was in Portland and I didn't get to finish making my point before I was cut off. Uh, by the powers that be. I was out there since July. I have seen Trump signs and flags where they shouldn't be. Then I drove 3,100 miles to get home. I had an absentee ballot, but I felt better about driving here and voting. And if you let me speak to your your listeners. Well, we're going to run out of time, sir. I have no control over that. Real quick. We've got one minute. Enthusiasm doesn't do anything voting does. Listen to Mark. Vote. Amen. Amen. You can rally all you want, but you got to vote. Go ahead. That's it. Thank you, sir. That's it? Man, oh, man, No, you're right, and thank you for your call. And I'm not trying to put people down. You can rally all you want. I want you to be inspired, but it's not enough. You got to vote. Let the other side rally. Let us vote. We need hordes, hordes, an army. Of patriots, of Levinites, each one of you, and five or ten of the people you know, then we will win in a landslide. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you, my fellow patriots. I'm honored to be with you in this battle. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.